Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Spiritual Rebels and Misfits podcast. We are really excited that you're here to get weird with us. <laughs> and we're going to have all kinds of, you know, absurd ideas playing around with magnificent guests. And we're just going to go to places you always wanted to go. But, you know, you can tell mom and dad how you felt about aliens, about channeling. You couldn't say fuck. I'm Ashley Bradley. I am a mom. I am an intuitive business coach. I'm a business psychic and a channel. And I am James Lester. I am an open homosexual. I'm a speaker, a writer. I am a member of the recovery community, and I am a queer activist. And after you listen today, we would love it if you would follow us in one of the podcast places, Spotify, Apple, just to name a few. Subscribe, leave us a review. It helps new people find what we've created. And we thank you for listening. Let's do this. You love it. Hi, everybody. Hello. Welcome, friends. It's Can you turn the volume down? You are very, Such very pushy today. He's like got this like live feed of us like 30 seconds behind going on over here, and I can hear yeah. us. All right. You're in your divine feminine back. slash masculine energy. I accept it fully and wholly today. He acts like I've been bossy, but he lets me set up this whole thing. I'm like fucking doing lighting over here. And I ask him to do protection because every time we, we go into these like really deep topics, where we're like bridging the gap between like religion and like Jesus and spirituality. We have some funky thing that happens. So we're like Archangel Michael, like we need your protection. Let's get the sage out. And he acts like I'm being... A bitch. I don't Welcome to our first Welcome. marriage counseling session. We're glad that you <laughs> How was your week? We did Disneyland this week. We had um, adventures with the kids. I do need to do a PSA post that like mm-hmm. heat stroke can come on easier if you have a mask on. So please be careful because <laughs> well, that was very unexpected. What happened, Ashley? <laughs> I like almost passed out or possibly did lose consciousness like briefly in the La Brea bakery at downtown Disney. And thankfully the managers were amazing and they like swooped in and they could see what was happening. And yeah, it was like. Homegirl was sprawled out on the chair, weren't you? You were down for the count. It was, it was crazy. I was like, I knew I had it once before. So I just like had this like Aquafina or whatever kind of water. <laughs> and I'm just like pouring it. All over my body, like not even caring if it's like going on the floor or like oh, I'm going to be soaked. I'm just like, I just need to do this. I poured some like ice down the front of my shirt. <laughs> just, you know, really okay. taking care of it. Yeah, it's, I am fine. But it's like, I want people to know that like if you start to like feel dizzy or if you start to get lightheaded and you're wearing a mask and it's like, kind of hot outside it was kind of surprising that it it took a lot less heat to like bring it to that point and so um usually your vision will start to like leave like you'll be conscious but like things will start to go dark with your eyesight and so yeah like I just want people to know kind of like what the warning signs are so that they don't freak the fuck out because it's the first time it happened I was pretty (laughs) I did freak the fuck out I was like what's going on I can't see so yeah, it that was, was this week. <laughs> when you're describing to me, it was so interesting to think of you in those circumstances because you always have maintained such control. Even like when we like when we used to be drunk and like all wild, you still had control. So just think of you like in that state was like, what the fuck? So I'm glad you're okay. 
I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna carry around like a, a fanny pack of supplies now mm-hmm. to make sure you're good all summer because I can't. No, I can't, can't have that again. Yeah. Um, and then we were talking about first time experiences mm-hmm. this week. Mm-hmm. And so, what was your first time experience this week? I lost my virginity. I I got Botox. James I got did Botox. It. I bit the bullet right before the big four zero. Okay, uh-huh. and like any any shares about that? Any? Um, would I take a lot, like a video that we'll be able to share live here. I'm not that important, <laughs> <laughs> but I will say this: no one talks to you about Botox, and I have only watched like, sh- of course, all my friends have gotten it except for me and you. Have you gotten Botox? You're looking <laughs> good. Botox. But here's but where I'll never say never. Yeah, you never know. <laughs> I'll see you at the forty mark. But I, here's where I, what I didn't know: they did the injections, and she walked out, and I was with other Ashley, and I was like, "Does it? How does it look? Does it look amazing?" And she just was staring at me. She's like, "You know, it takes like a week to kick in, right?" And I was like, "What the fuck?" So I was really let down about that. I wanted to be instantly younger and glamorous, but we'll see what happens to Joshua Tree. How I look. Do you want to take some before and after photos? And then we can let, like, we'll be like, drop a one if you think James looks fucking young. And okay. No one wants to drop a one or drop a two. Drop a two if you feel like it's a faulty Botox job and it got fucked up. <laughs> and I should sue. <laughs> <laughs> what What was your first time experience? So, um, Jules, one of my, one of our, like, spiritual rebel friends, like, came down from Washington, and she did a hape ceremony for me, which I learned, it's, well, it's spelled R-A-P-E with an accent over it, but it's pronounced hape, and so. So, it's, it's spelled rape. But it's not. It's it's, not. There there was consent, like, there was. (laughs) insertion into my nostril hole to blow this shaman snuff <laughs> we're not there. mocking rape but Rape's i said yes to funny. it no 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 it's but like <laughs> it's pronounced hape and it's like this finely ground um tobacco leaf but i guess it's stronger than what goes into cigarettes and like these different tree barks there's apparently different blends kind of like tea mm-hmm. like get ground up into this powder and there's this like wooden thing and they sort of go and they sort of well, I guess you could snort it yourself, but I was not. Snort it? You You're can. Gonna... No, I, I have you no You were snorting ability. tobacco. I got leave, blown up my nose. I leave you alone for a few days, and you're snorting tobacco and passing out at this meal. No, because I knew Jesus. that it was going to be uncomfortable, because I, I, I'm i very, like, I walk into this shit really tentatively, because I think I'm, like, afraid. I have a healthy amount of fear with anything, and so. Control. I, I think that's safe. I think that's called safety, <laughs> but I like listened to a podcast and I wanted to make sure that like, it wasn't like a psychoactive kind of thing, you know, that it was just more of like a body experience. And so, yeah, it was, it was really interesting. I think it felt like the sensation of like, cause I did used to smoke cigarettes, the sensation yes, of like smoking like a lot, you know, the way that that nicotine, or if you don't smoke a lot or in a while, how like there's that really strong sort of body buzz that happens like that that's the best way I can describe it but it was just like a lot of like clarity that comes in she was like pulling cards for me she was using her like crystal magic wand and like I was just like basically they say the medicine goes where it's meant to go and it was just like all pouring into my heart Mm. it's all pouring into my heart and I felt just like this aliveness and actually it was one about it was about masculine energies and so maybe that's why you're feeling me so much in my masculine today Okay, mm-hmm. I fully and fully because that you. was the hoppe that was. So you're still hopped up on hoppe, <laughs> but it was 
it was it was a trip, man. Like I think it definitely like kind of hurt stung like shit for like a minute. <laughs> and then and then as that kind of like eased, there was just like, yeah, definitely some interesting sensations, but like then you kind of just felt it in your body for like 15 minutes, 10, 15 minutes, and then it was complete. Well, I'm glad you had that. I, I want to try it out with you and maybe Jules yeah. sometimes, and maybe we'll talk about it with Jules on here. So that's super we exciting. We do want to talk about it. I think we're really curious about like non-psychoactive plant medicine kinds of experiences just because of... No, I'm totally trying to get you to do a psychoactive Oh, medicines. I mean, I will, but I told him that he has to be like someone that comes with me that like I feel like I have someone watching out for me because I read some shady shit about... Okay, that's a whole other podcast, right? About... <laughs> I'm like, first we're talking about dolphins. Now we're going to talk about shady shamans. Okay, so okay we can talk there. about the dolphin thing because I think the world needs to know. But yeah, I'll absolutely be the guardian for yeah, you. Yeah, I need a guardian. If I'm going to do any kind of like ayahuasca kinds of things, I told him like, he's like the one that goes and just like watches out for me and like takes notes. Maybe take some videos. Maybe we'll go live. He's like, <laughs> just kidding. Maybe. I don't know. I would love that. Uh, a oh spiritual God, rebel gone wild video. Just I'm going just to like, Oscar. I'm like being a hawk and doing like interpretive <laughs> dancing, like of like <laughs> spirit messages. <laughs> I feel like you do that sober. So. <laughs> That's true. That's true. So, should we um, talk about where we're going today? Yeah, we should. Yes. Okay. So, um, I think you should share like what inspired this topic because I know that we've like, We've talked about the topic of God and different like flavors, um, you know, of this topic. But what inspired like this conversation? Well, I think we got back to this conversation as the Catholic Church was making the ruling that they couldn't be involved in same sex ceremonies. They couldn't have any involvement in that. And our guest today, Terry, she had posted something and it was really amazing and lovely just being in full support, like pretty much saying like, hey, my gay brothers and sisters, I see you fully and holy. Mm -hmm. And it really, it touched my heart. I know it touched your heart. So you shared it with me. So we got back to the conversation. Do you want to tell me, want me to talk about the other story? You want me to tell the other story about our friend that's no longer a friend on Facebook anymore? I'll tell that story. Oh, I mean, do it. Okay. And then, so we had a mutual friend that was part of this spiritual group for a while. And then she got into Christianity, like Mazel Tov, like full support, but it became very, very vindictive and it became very, talking about other people's sex lives and how they were going to hell, started calling out people saying they have to follow the Bible, uh, Bible line by line, or they were doomed. And, you know, Ashley and I both tried to interject in these, com- these threads. These with conversa- love. Yeah, like, with- I think we were just wanting to be involved in the conversation, like from like a loving place, you know, just how we like to do here, like yeah. sharing perspectives. And yeah. I first shared like, you know, I ain't here to judge anyone else's sex life, you know, like God for me is love. And I got, I got deleted. I got bye-bye. And then Ashley tried to jump in and say like, Hey, like Jesus is like a homie. Jesus is like the first rebel, like all about Jesus. Mm -hmm. And her comment got deleted and we had to part ways from that friend. Well, I got, I got the food and Ashley decided that it wasn't vibrationally. We can love her from a distance. And I feel like if there's not going to be like communication, you know, or if we're not going to like kind of share with love with topics and it was like, okay, well, I guess we're just, you know, operating from different frequencies, but I know that like in the community of healers that um, I create, like in Practical Mystic, our other Facebook group, 
there's like definitely a lot of healers that um, very much come from Christian, Catholic, other types of religious backgrounds that start to feel a lot of tension, like when it comes to like them owning their full truth and like fully like sharing their gifts in this like expansive way and being who they are. Mm -hmm. And there starts to be this rub with like um, religion or maybe projections on them based on other people's sort of beliefs. Like I'm excited to get into this with Terry. Mm -hmm. Terry was a a conversation partner within that group. And we started to talk about Jesus and talk about, you know, she'll explain like, you know, that some people just have a bigger box that they hold God within. And for some people that box is smaller and that that's okay. And so I think that there was just it was so interesting to talk to somebody that can like bring in different verses of the Bible or bring in different experiences and to actually offer like a different Mm. perspective on it, a perspective that might be a little bit more inclusive or expansive. And so I just really get all hopped up about that because you know that I'm like, like I'm like really all about Jesus. And I feel like I have so much more curiosity about like OG healer, like rebel misfit Mm -hmm. Jesus, you know? Well, yeah. And I think it's the journey in recovery. I've know I've talked about this in other podcasts, but like, you know, the journey of recovery I'm in is about a higher power and it references God over and over again. And really the people that are all inclusive with God, I feel God with those people. And for me, God is love and love is God. But with other people, it's like, this is the dictates of what God is. And if you fall out of alignment with this, you're screwed and God is angry at you and you're doomed. And for me, that doesn't vibrate. That doesn't feel real. That doesn't feel like anything that Jesus set out to have or any other religion set out to have. So we decided to talk about like when faith turns into a persecution tool. Mm. So we're really excited to have Terry uh, jump in and have this conversation with us. If you have any comments, if you have any questions, if you have any experiences, please share them. We'll try to pull them up in as they come up. But should we pull in Terry now? What do you think? Yeah, let's pull in Terry. Say hello to us if you're here. I see Becca. I see um, some other friends. I don't see who you are, but I see you talking about ayahuasca. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Let me unmute Terry and pull her in. Hello. Hi. I've I've been wanting to jump in these last 15 minutes. I mean, I think Shady Shamans is a great title. (laughs) Is that that maybe like a possible book where we like go undercover? (laughs) And your whole story is like the modern day St. Paul with going Mm -hmm. blind and then having like a kind of baptism experience with your your water all over. and, (laughs) And then you're... Your awakening of your hot pay experience. Carrie, <laughs> <laughs> don't get it into her head that she's a saint now, right? We're never going to live this down. I was like, tell me what that verse is. I want to read about this. That's, um, that's our, we, we are. We are. We're mystics. We're modern day saints, all of us. Will you introduce yourself and just share a little bit about who you are and like what brings you into this conversation? Well, usually I say I'm a writer, actress, uh, what else do I say? Singer. And uh, I've spent nearly 40 years as a full-time music minister in the church, as also a liturgist. So I've worked with a lot of different priests, which inspired my book. So almost every chapter is a priest and sort of, I talk about my life. It's a memoir through the lens of the experiences of these various men in my life. 
Um, uh, what else? I've, I have a certification in conscious dying. Um, I have sort of gifts in that area where I, I get a premonition before a family member dies. I, I, I think of that as a real gift. And I don't know, I'm, I'm interested in anything spiritual. Yes. And I know that I love when I you corrected me because I was saying, oh, like she left the Catholic Church. And you were like, well, I kind of feel like the Catholic Church left me and so how what is your relationship like now with um you know i guess the the catholic religion i I think that would be just a really good jumping off point to share like who you are and why you're here i love you're asking that question because you know when you have that little thing you have to check one and they have you know catholic episcopal protestant all these lists and then they have none and i'm always like I'm not, I'm not that practicing Catholic the same way that I had been, but I, I can't say none. I think that even as I embrace more Eastern things and always, and always have alongside my Catholicism, that there will be a part of me that will always identify as being Catholic because that was my way into spirituality. That was the way, that was the door that got me to know God. And then everything was even though it can be limiting, that was the lens that everything else was put in. So I always went for the bigger, like you were saying earlier, the bigger picture. Um, And I didn't see a conflict in that. So I'll always feel like I'm I'm Catholic because that's how we started. So can we always like to get into like the backstory of like the origins of how someone kind of became like a, a rebel and a misfit? So can you walk us through a little bit of your history with, you know, the Catholic establishment uh-huh. or religion or whatever brought you to where you are now? Yeah. So I think part of it was that I didn't even know this was odd at the time because um, I had this really quiet, lovely church going mother. but. I mean, and she was the Polish quiet person in like the middle of a really loud Italian family. But she read books like Elizabeth Montgomery's ESP books. I believe in Bridie Murphy about reincarnation. She had lucid dreams. I'm like, what's lucid dreams? Like she had a knowing and she, these were the first books I read alongside Nancy Drew, you know, like she would be <laughs> reading a book and I'd be like, what's that? And I'd be reading it at like nine, 10, 11 years old. So I just, I just folded this in with my Catholicism. Mm-hmm. I saw nothing wrong with it. And, and I would overhear conversations with her friends and they'd be like, what do you think heaven's like? And what if it was this way? Or, or let's talk about a, a bigger interpretation of the book of Genesis. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what is that about? You know, and, and I was really curious about it. And she taught me what you were talking about later, but people who take things literally, like she taught me about how things could be metaphor and that just opened things up for me. So I never thought those things were taboo and I always had a place for them. And then when other people in my family were being really prejudiced and making comments you know, I went to a Catholic school, so I would be really upset. Like, that's not about God. You know, that's not what Jesus would want. And I knew that my mother shared that with me. And I guess 
I just felt like it was really important to show that piece. So when I was in college and I had a lot of gay friends, I went to a music school, they'd be like, I am Catholic, but can you help me like talk to me about how I can be gay and Catholic at the same time? Mm. And I'd be like, yes, let's have that conversation. Or when I was working at the church and someone would be like, can you tell me how I can vote for Obama and still be like a Catholic voting for pro-life? And I'm like, yeah, sit down. There are a lot of life issues and abortion is only one of them. Let's talk about all the other ones. And, and so I was always about making the box bigger. <laughs> and yeah, so I think it came from my roots of a, a Catholic, but also my mother's open-mindedness. Mm. Yeah, I just find it all so juicy. And I think that there's so many people that are craving like a different perspective on God or a different perspective of like, how can I, how can I be me and fit in like within this religion? And I just love that you love having those conversations. You lean in hard to them. You have amazing answers. Like, and you, you said that you were also not the only one, right? That there was other people that were being themselves, but I don't think you were necessarily out about it is my understanding. You were not out about, you know, going to mediumship, you know, channeling events. You know, like now taking some, being around you in business universe and things like I realized I probably was naturally intuitive and didn't realize that, but I always sort of knew who I could talk to about it. I always knew who I could have a conversation about reincarnation. I always knew who was open about channeling. Um, and I found those people. I mean, I would be babysitting for a friend, you know, a friend of a friend from church and I'd be in her house and she'd have like a whole bookshelf of channeled material. And I'd be like reading all weekend and, and just feeling like, well, she's Catholic. See? So like I, it was always uh, just reaffirmed for me. Like it was, it was okay. People might not talk about it, but there it is. So. So Terry, before we really take the deep dive into like really talking about, you know, the pain and the triumphs of when faith does turn into manipulation. Let's talk about like some of the stuff that really kept you plugged into the Catholic religion. Like what is some of the parts that you just love about it? Cause I don't want to always just go on like the negative, yeah. like the attack. Let's talk about what is harmonious and vibrates from that religion. Thank you. I really appreciate that question because, you know, I love the ritual. Mm. I, I, I was just talking to, um, Father JC yesterday. Um, he is been he's had his he's been relieved of his priestly duties officially. Um, so he's contemplating starting a not mainstream church outside of the Catholic Church. And I was and I said, well, we need to talk about what we want that to look like. And I was thinking, what what do I want that to look like? And I remember I remember doing a funeral with him and the son of the person who died um, was leaving the priesthood. He was a priest too. And Father JC said him, do you want to do the mass? And he's like, no, I put in my laicization papers. I can't do it. But when we got to the part of the final commendation where I'm singing saints of God come to his aid, come to greet him, angels of the Lord, receive his soul and present him to God there's all this incense rising from the bowl and he's walking around the casket and he's raising this bowl of incense. And when he gets to the foot of the casket, 
he just gestures like this to the son who's about to not be a priest and he hands him the bowl and he comes out and he finishes incensing his father's body. Mm. And like, I just almost cried while I was singing this song because it was just so beautiful. I just, I, I mean, just put candles and incense and dim lighting and beautiful music and I'm there. I could feel God, you know, and, mm. and I get that in the church. And I felt that when I'm singing a song in the middle of a liturgy and I just feel that, you know, so I love the ritual. And it sounds like your dream of a rebel church is starting to come to life. Like if Father JC, this very rebel priest that you know, it sounds like, did you manifest that, Terry? <laughs> I might have. <laughs> I like how Ash is trying to slide in the rebel church name. I've, no, I've been asking him. Is it rebel church? <laughs> we haven't named ourselves yet, but I've been, I've, I've put that to him many times and I was still receiving my salary and, and going for my pension. And I said to him years ago, you know, if you're, if you're willing to do it, I'm, I'll give up my, my benefit package and I will join you. Like I will be there. That's how much it means to me. And he just wasn't ready, you know, and, and another, another music director that he had before myself, she's in the Phoenix diocese and, they're building a new church and they're putting in an altar rail and all these old things that she's like, God, this is from the 1950s. And so she's like, I can't be part of this old vision anymore. So she's also thinking of <laughs> jumping ship and basically joining us in this endeavor. And um, I'm like, there's a lot more people and we're really hungry. And a lot of people have just left because they're not feeling that authentic. They're not, you know, he was very real when he said mass. A lot of people were drawn to him. He was like known all throughout the country as the priest with the red cowboy boots in Sedona. And, <laughs> and, and he was really real. You know, he'd say, you know, I was really in a good mood. And then this happened this afternoon and I got really upset about it. And Terry and I had words and, you know, he'll just <laughs> lay it all out there. And, um, and people just knew he was struggling along with them. And he was, he was being honest about his story and his journey. And, they really responded to that. And he also had short masses. So people like that. And, and he's not there. And basically so many, so many people have left. And I just feel like some people, you know, a lot of people would come back if there was a place where they could have that feeling again. Well, it sounds like they want something authentic. Yes. You know, they don't want what is right to say or the perfect word is they want authentic. Yes. So on that note, let's start to talk about like some aha moments or some real zingers for you where you started to go, okay, wait a minute, you know, faith is being turned against people or it's not resonating and I have to find my own way, if that makes sense. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> let's bust open that book. Let's, you know, let's hear some of, some of the juicy stories that brought you to where you are. This is the thing, like it wasn't, it, those things went, were always together. You know, mm -hmm. I could, I could be experiencing a beautiful liturgy on Sunday. And then the next Saturday I could be on this retreat and this religious brother tries to kiss me. And when I said, no, he's like, well, you have intimacy issues. So it wasn't like, oh, that happened. And I'm like, I'm done with the church. It was like, 
okay, you know, and uh, three, two months ago when I was with him at another uh, Catholic event, a kind of big gathering of teenagers, I remember somebody came up to me and said, watch out for him. And I didn't know what they meant. And I'm like, okay, now I know. So the community both supported me, were giving me life-giving good experiences to hold on to, but from that also came this crazy guy, you know, and I didn't see the truth of who he was until, you know, till that. <laughs> yeah, well, you're kind of tapping on something for me that I, I kind of want to bring up, but if it's too much for you, you can say like, nope, not about that. My, one of my major, uh, my major concerns and my, uh, my fierceness with the Catholic church, my grandmother's fiercely Catholic, used to take me to Catholic church all the time, is their protection of men and the things they do. You know, especially, and I, I'm not all Catholics, but a lot of the Catholic church and their handling of the molestation and men acting sexually aggressive. Do you care to go there? Or is that too much? No, I'm fine with that. I mean, I'm, I'm appalled by it. It's terrible. I mean, we, when we had a, an open forum at our parish, even though I had left, I went back for that forum because I wanted to be there to speak up. Now that I didn't have a paid position, I didn't have to be worried about what people said I was saying or not. And and I said to them, we need to have a broad conversation about abuse, not just abuse of minors, sexual abuse. We need to talk about the abuse that happens at staff meetings. Like this is what I wanted to talk about. Like the way that on a regular basis, the pastor would shame us and put us down. And it was, and, and not just with one priest, like, like a lifetime experience of this kind of thing. So there's so many different kinds of abuse, but when it comes to that particular story, like I think about my own Italian family where I had a great aunt that claimed that, that one of her brother-in-laws raped her and the family could not, they just could not accept that. And I didn't even know this story until I was in my thirties or forties. I mean, it was just like this aunt that moved to Phoenix, you know, while we were all in New Jersey and New York. And, and, and finally a cousin heard her story and she's like, you know, everybody like acted like she was a liar, but I actually heard her tell the story and she was not lying. And then I remembered going to my uncle's great uncle's house and my mother kind of saying, did I don't want to say the name because I don't know what family member might be listening. But, you know, were you alone with him? Just be careful. Like there were things that were said. And I, I realized she, my mother was worried, but no one wanted to talk about it. And I feel like that family situation was no different than what was happening in the church. Mm. Just like what happened with the big football guy, like they almost couldn't even imagine that that would happen. And they didn't know, they didn't have the wherewithal. They didn't know how to deal with it. They, they were, they didn't know how to deal with it. And I think it's a generational thing too, but you know, I'm not defending it. I'm just saying that as we get more conscious as a people, we know you mm -hmm. can't hide that thing. You can't push that away. Yeah. But I look at the way old white men in general tend to think. And I look at, you know, those old white men in my life and they tend to want to not even 
deal with it, well, not even look at it. Here's my problem with organized religion, okay, is they allow that kind of thinking yes. to be the way for men to think. You know, they still try to broadcast it into future generations, and that's the way. And if you don't agree with that way, then you're not right with God. And that's uh, really what's, you know, the way women are treated in, yes. in organized religion. That really hits me you wrong. Know, Bill Maher says this because he's like any institution that's mostly men, there's shit happening, you know, and that's why he talks about the whole world of sports and the, and the church. And I think he has another one too, but that's really what happens. And it's true. It just keeps perpetuating. And like, even JC, we've talked about this, like there's, he's living alone in a rectory. It's not like he's in a rectory with three other guys. Like there are rectories in New Jersey and New York where there's a lot, you know, more men together where they can kind of say that was really dumb or you should look at that. Like there's no one around him except a lot of people saying, yes, father, yes, father. And so, Mm -hmm. and there's certainly not a wife saying that was really a dumb bozo move. Like you can't do that. You know, you can't say that. You can't do that. You have to apologize. And and I think that's part of it. When you don't have half the population, when you don't have that female energy kind of just being a check for these men that start like believing this whole odds, like that they're better because there's this hierarchical patriarchy mm-hmm. that they they start it's just skewed you know it really is skewed and you're right it keeps women out of it i i just saw an advertisement for future church if anybody wants to look at this it's called, the series is women erased and they're mm-hmm. taking like wow. eight or ten different segments and looking at how black women have been erased how women in scripture have been erased how um you know all these different women in the church have been essentially erased. And it has was a, a lifelong struggle for me, honestly, um, to meet JC and have him mostly speak to me like an equal without that barrier where he could say, what are you thinking here? And I would say, well, this is what I'm thinking. And he would go, okay, tell me the reasons and tell me the background. And I'd finish and he'd like put me through the ringer and then he'd say, okay, let's do it. Mm-hmm. Um, that was really life affirming for me. It was like, wow, he's, he's taking my opinion. But I mean, to get to the point where I'm 41 years old and I finally get to a priest that can, you know, take my creative ideas. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like something's wrong, <laughs> but, yes. um, but you know, it's, it's a world I knew and was comfortable in and found a lot of beauty in. And I remember, so there's this beautiful chant on Easter vigil and the rubrics say that a priest should do it. And if a priest can't do it, a deacon can sing it, which of course all deacons are male. And then if a deacon can't sing it, then a lay person can sing it. But it, it says that a deacon gets a blessing. Of course, if I'm singing it, which I did every year for my whole life, I don't get a blessing. So right before the service, I said to him, if I asked you for a blessing, would you give it to me? And he looked at me and he said, yes, I would. (laughs) So 
I went to the deacon and I said, what do you say before you get your blessing, before you read the gospel? And he's like, I say, Father, may I have this blessing? I said, oh, that's what you're saying? Yeah. I said, okay. So we go. It's The church is dark. We're carrying in this Easter flame. The light's being, you know, shared among these little candles. The church is filling with this beautiful light. And again, the incense is ready. And it's ready. It's time for me to sing this chant. And I go up and very quietly, I say, Father, may I have this blessing? Like, this is the thrill that the first year he's going to give me a blessing. And I think he's going to do it quietly. And instead, he takes a step back and he puts his arms over me and he does the blessing over the microphone so that the whole church can hear. I thought I was going to just cry right then and there. I mean, like, so even though there's these, these stupid rules there were these moments that would kind of like shine through and, and he did that a lot for me and it was so beautiful, but. See, but um, it's so, so upsetting that it's the rarity. Yes. Instead of the rule, you know, yeah. every woman, man, child should have that opportunity, you know, to put in the work and have that moment regardless of sex or sexuality. or. I color. agree. So I love that you had that moment, but why, why is I this know. supposed to be about all good? Well, didn't you tell me there was somebody out there that was like ordaining like women? Yes. Like, and that no one knows who they are. Like I get really excited to hear things like that. <laughs> they are. They're, and there's a whole book called The Other Catholics. And it's kind of like the history of all these fringe groups that have like been in existence for a long time. And, and like I knew when I was totally and, you know, getting paid by the church that there were these fringe groups. And I just thought it was because they were out West. <laughs> I don't know. But then when I got to California and people were talking about their Eucharistic community, like they would go to regular mass and then they would go to this Eucharistic community. I'm like, what are you talking about? And they're like our small faith group, you know, our, our home liturgy. And then when I got to Sedona, there was a home liturgy and I would often attend. So like, I think this is just going to happen more and more, honestly, because I think the institutional church is dying. And I think that people are really follow the systems, right? <laughs> they want, I think people are looking for that experience that people had in the early Christian church with Jesus, like come to our house, be real, break bread. What can we do for our neighbors? Like mm. that's, that's where the juice is. That's, that's what like makes their heart sing. So that's what we were talking about just a couple of days ago. Like, let's make a real community. Yeah. So, so Terry, what's the name of your book again? Through Stained Glass, The Priests of My Life. Okay. I love that title. And, you know, we got to get a little bit, we got to spill a little bit of tea. So you do reference <laughs> being in love with a, a priest in that book, correct? I was, yeah. Okay. <laughs> This, you don't have to like go into like full on details, but you know, what was that experience like? So forbidden, so thorn birds, like what was that like in that time in your life? Uh, it was very exciting. <laughs> <laughs> it reminds me of that episode of Sex in the City with Samantha. Do you remember that? You need to watch Fleabag, Fleabag girl. You need to watch Fleabag. Um, yeah, I have a little passage here I could read. Mm, read it. Yes. Is that okay? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, Father Patrick, now, just let me say this. This is not the shared hotel room scene. <laughs> <laughs> this is not that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's right. 
Father Patrick called me darling. Alone in the rectory kitchen, Patrick kissed me, and again in the garage, long after the automatic lights went out, he held me, hugged me, rested his chin on my head, and then kissed me again. Precious doll, he said. I was more stunned by his words now than the kiss. Had anyone ever called me precious? Another night, we were wrapped around each other. We were being silly. I laughed, and he laughed at my laugh, and then I almost cried. I was so happy here in his arms, tucked into his shoulder. He kissed me on the forehead, neck, and stomach teasingly. Lips, I asked for playfully. He kissed me ever so lightly the way he had been kissing my neck. I shook my head, then I lifted it slightly for another kiss. He was lying above me now. How about this? And then he kissed me again and again, two passionate kisses that should have been longer. Oh my God, I am so happy here. He was back on his side and I hid my face in his chest. My tear fell on his face, on his skin, but he didn't feel it. I cried and then laughed again. Desperate, and this is a poem I wrote. Desperately, I long for more of something I have and yet do not. I know all this love should be God's and it is. No one has carried more God with them. You are Easter for me, Patrick O'Malley. You are love and light, and in you I have felt the power that is, must be, the Spirit of God. You have so much God in you. How can I thank you both? Wow. That was so much juicier than what I imagined. <laughs> did you change his name for protection? I did. <laughs> I oh, did. Is he still a priest somewhere? He is not. Oh, is he? Yeah. Maybe a rope. You're getting a little fired up over there. I need to know these details. (laughs) Buy the book, bitch. I need to hear this hotel room (laughs) This Wow. Yeah. And so what was that like for you? Because it was forbidden, right? Like even like sort of the act of. You know, it was this weird time in my life. Like I I should have been going back to school. it was like my first year after college where it's like, oh, what do I do now? You know, I'm not, I don't have school to go to. And I was auditioning in New York and I was substitute teaching and I had all these different church jobs. Like I was independent contractor for all these different things. And this new priest comes and he was, he was young and handsome, but he was very conscious. And like, I remember having this gig where I was singing songs during the reconciliation service. And I, for like an hour and a half, I'm just singing all these songs that I want to sing. And it's again, the the lighting is really dim and I'm just watching him like laying his hands on people's heads and praying for them. And like, he was so intentional and I was just drawn to him. So we end, So I waited until I was the last person. I put down my guitar. I went over and I'm like, bless me, Father, for I have sinned, blah, blah, blah. You know, I'm going through the form and, and we're just talking and we're talking and we're talking. And then I'm like, are you going to give me absolution? And he goes, do I need to? And I'm like, well, I know you don't need to, but like, I feel better if we kind of stuck to the form. <laughs> I mean, at that point, I was still wanting the form. And I, you know, I just remember being the recipient of feeling all that energy in his hands. And then we would have these long, like we would get together on a Friday night. I wasn't dating anyone. And we would have these long conversations about 
angels and just the spirit of God. And it was just very, I don't know, it was romantic. And it was also, it just drew me in because it was about things that I love to talk about. And here was this priest talking to me about them. And so I, it was my preferred thing to do on a Friday and Saturday night was go to the rectory and talk to Peter. <laughs> what is your take on like religion and the Bible's view of like psychic abilities and tarot and divination? Because I know that there's, um, there was a post recently where people are, were basically saying like, someone asked, do you use tarot in your, your, you know, oracle cards in your business? And people, some people were like, yes, like all the time. And others were like, no, I only speak to God. I only speak to God. And I'm just like, I know. I think, I think, I think there are words that are just triggers for people. Like when I first Mm -hmm. said I went to the ashram, I know that freaked out some of my friends. Uh, I think tarot is one of those, but you know, if you read the Bible, Joseph had dreams, uh, Pilate's wife had dreams. The three kings had a, you know, had a dream. I mean, the vision to follow the star, like their dreams all over the the scripture. So I don't, I don't understand why they they draw a line and then go, this is well, this was okay and this isn't. Yeah. There's also the scripture about, you know, from the fruits you'll know what comes from me. So if someone is is doing something that you have some question about, but they're doing it for the good. And there's clearly a respect for the higher power. Then I don't know why they can't make a distinction between that and someone who's using dark magic. You know, I'm Peter again was the, and I'm saying now his name, but um, he was the one that gave me a book uh, called Lama's night. And it was a true story about the white witches of England countering the black magic that the Nazis were using. Like I had never known that. And, um, and around that same time, another friend introduced me to an Orthodox Greek, a Greek Orthodox priest who after making the sign of the cross, like reverse pentagrammed or pentagrammed his food. And when I was looking at him, he goes, Oh, she didn't tell you I'm a, I'm a white witch. I'm like, yes. okay. <laughs> so I, I don't know. I, I really think a lot of that just comes from people's fear and, and their fear makes them want to have a smaller box for God because yeah. they're afraid. Jesus, you know, or that any of that actually even came from God? Or do you think that there was might be some things that might have been edited in for like control? Oh, absolutely. Because like, I feel like a lot of that stuff, it does hold a lot of like expansion and power and saying, hey, let's connect directly with higher power, like it's in you. And so, Oh yeah. Yes. I mean, it's unbelievable. Vatican II in the 1960s was all about um, the spirit in the church and unleashing that. And there was all this hope and it was, and, and so much of it as I grew up was about the spirit of God within you. And that, and when I'm working at the church, I'm like, these are the new confirmation books. Like, there's no chapter on the Holy Spirit. And I realized, of course, they're trying to get that out because that's where there was this rise of the laity and their power in them knowing that, that you know, their baptism kind of, that they were part of the royal priesthood and they might not be ordained, but they were on the same level as those who were ordained. Like, 
they they had to try to like t- walk that back because it was it was it was unleashing a whole powerful thing that they didn't have control over. So yes, it is wow. about control. It is about men trying to hold the control. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> wow, it, it all starts out so beautiful. And I know I've talked like one of the things that really changed my life in sobriety is the word chicanery. And chicanery is to use something for political or personal gain. Mm -hmm. And I think, unfortunately, with organized religion, you see chicanery happen every single time. And it's the abuse of God's name to achieve power. And, you know, all these organized religions, not just the Catholic Church, it becomes about power and a cock show almost. Like, our religion is better than yours, and if you don't follow our ways, you're going to hell. Mm -hmm. So I'm so glad people like you, Terry, are really being like, nope, that doesn't resonate. It's about love. It's about God. It's about community. So I'm so blessed we had this conversation with you. I loved it. It was great. Is it is it time already? Oh, almost. It's almost. I was trying to look at some of the comments. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, Simone was saying. Um, okay, from people thinking that I don't because of the work I do. Oh, so yeah. That sometimes people. Simone is saying because of the work that you know, some of us do working in divination or tarot that people sort of question that we're going against God. And um, that's what she was sharing there is that like to sort of like own your own power and, and your own sort of like knowingness and to sort of experience God in, in all of these different ways and to you be know, expansive about it is sort of a, there's a questioning that happens. And so Simone was just bringing that that's. I, I was thinking about this earlier because, you know, for, for people who are doing this work, I think they know about the, uh, the great I am. I am that I am the aligning with the spirit of God, connecting with that. And for the people who are afraid of that, oh, like there's usually, they're so, they're so mixed up with some kind of shame feeling less than feeling not worthy that they it's hard for them to feel like they can connect with God. They're still carrying around this burden of unworthiness. So if they feel that they can't be aligned, they can't look at you and think that, that you're aligned in that that's of God because they can't imagine that for themselves. Mm. Like that's, I think that's really what that's about. Yeah. And I was thinking earlier how like a lot of um, organized religion doesn't have a way to talk about the shadow or of the things that are darkness other than just being like, that's up the devil, that's Satan, (laughs) you're going to hell. And so I think like, it's interesting how, um, you know, other, you know, ways of like holding God or spirituality, it, it, it has a place for that. And it says, Hey, this is all a part of it. This is all, you know, a part of, you know, this experience that God created here in this earth school. And so I, th- I think it's, um, it's interesting because some might point a figure and just want to put it in the box of Satan. And I even heard someone say that, well, why don't you just cut out the middleman of the cards and just talk directly to Satan? And it's just like, cause if there's anything here about anything that might not be easily put into the box of like light, or this is of God that there's like, some people want to put it in this other box. And I think um, it creates a lot of confusion for people, right? Uh, Because they weren't never given a way to deal with that shame, to talk about those things and to have it be okay to be brought up in discussion. Absolutely. 
I, I, but I, and I really think it all comes from that, you know, their own sense of unworthiness and not being able to make that connection. And for so many Catholics, like feeling like they need a priest to be that person in between. Like one of the things when I discovered this, and I don't even know where, when this was, but it was pretty young age, the idea that Catholics, Catholic, you know, this is a Catholic doctrine that even if something, uh, there's a rule, if you feel your conscience tells you that that's not right, like you have to abide by that. And, and I just loved this idea because it empowered me to be like, oh, so my conscience, conscious, consciousness and my connection to that, like the church even talks about how important that is. And so when it, there was ever anything that might've been like, someone might be judging me in my mind, it was like, I know this is okay. And the church teaches that I have to pay attention to that. And it would be even wrong for me to not pay attention to that. And so that got me far, that idea, because it just just kind of like ordained this idea in me that, yes, not only is the spirit of God in you, but you have to pay attention to that. Yeah, we are God. We're a piece yes. of God, you know? Yes. And I, I think, like you were saying, I think it's really sad that people feel they have to have someone ordained or certified to be their link way to God. We are a piece of God, you know? And I, I love that you're like, my intuition overrides all this shit. I found the loophole, bitches. <laughs> I have a kind of a silly question because I know that Jesus is the son of God, but like, is the... Are we not all like, is there something within scripture that defines like what that is? Because when I think people talk about God and source, like to me, it's just sort of the same. Okay. So this is the, this is the distinction I make. Like, uh, and I go a little crazy because people put them like, people act like Christ is Jesus's last name. Like they don't really know the difference there. So Jesus walked on the earth and there are the stories about Jesus Mm -hmm. and Christ is that that energy that lives on that so like if someone's connecting to that Jesus energy like instead of saying I felt Jesus I'd be like no you felt Christ you felt the and so that's what's so beautiful about this Aquarian age is that we're moving from this Piscean fish that was Jesus represented Jesus in the Piscean age to this Aquarian age of Christ consciousness mm. of, of the internet being air of, the, of consciousness being recognized that that's more important than focused on this, the historical Jesus from 2000 years ago. Like yeah. how do we experience Christ today? Yeah. How, how is Christ manifesting in your life now? But a lot of the literal stuff, like, it's just so frozen in this man that lived then. And they don't even really know the context of the historical issues to really, like, be extrapolate the real meaning from that. But they're just, they don't realize that God continues to reveal God's self to us now. And we can call that the Holy Spirit. We can call that Christ. We can call that divine source. So... That's how, the that distinction I make. Like the second coming of Christ actually is this Christ consciousness yes. that's within all of us. Because yes. I feel like the great awakening, the age of Aquarius, second coming of Christ, that we're essentially all talking about the same thing, but 
we, since we can't, since we only sometimes, some people think only in the physical, right? And not in the energetic, we think, oh, it has to be a man and he's just coming back and it's going to, he'll be here and he'll tell us what to do when he gets yeah. here. And some will burn <laughs> and some will perish and others will rise. And that's like, you know, when they, when he came, they didn't recognize him because they thought he was going to come as the king. You know, they didn't recognize him then. So yeah, I I definitely, that's what's going on now. I mean, some, we can talk about third and fifth dimension. We can talk about people recognizing Christ consciousness. You know, people say it in all kinds of different ways, but that's really what's, what's happening. Yeah. And I know you and I were talking in our other conversation about that. It's the rise of the feminine Christ consciousness as well. And that that's going to be a different expression and that we're going to have this different relationship. Yeah. Because finally in Christ consciousness, we don't have to go, well, his apostles were all men, which probably isn't even true, but you know what I mean? Like they're so frozen in this physical being that was on the earth. And now we can go out in Christ consciousness, the door's bigger. You know, we can talk about the feminine. We can talk about that. Yes. I, this this whole conversation led me to look some things up, and I actually found a document that the Vatican published in 2003 called, I love this, Jesus Christ, the Water Bearer. Oh. And it was about trying, it was a whole thing about recognizing that the New Age move, movement is like a lot of people are going there because they're not being fed. And like put saying what's wrong with the new age movement and what they need to find in the Catholic faith. But it just cracked me up that they knew enough to say Jesus Christ, the water bearer in the Aquarian age, you know? So I thought that was really cool. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like, um, yeah, there's so many different paths that we can take. Like, I know I love like thinking about like, how Jesus would show up today. Like, would he be, would he have a podcast? Would he be our guest? That's all she thinks about. She's like, like, would he smoke a joint with me? And would he be on the podcast? I'm like, would Jesus, like, cause I think about even that term of being Christ-like and like, yeah, I think he'd, that there's so many expressions of it. He'd and be like, with the, he'd be marching in an LGBTQ yeah. march. He'd be with Black Lives Matter. He'd be with, you know, he was always with the people that were outside the gate, the outcasts, yeah. you know, yes. that's where he would be. And when you look today at where Christ consciousness lives, it's with the people that are doing that work today that are, you know, in the soup kitchens and with the the people who are living on the margins and at the border. And, you know, that's, that's where Christ is. I just love that, Terry. And I just, I love talking to you. Gosh, we're gonna have to bring you back for like a million different topics. <laughs> I know. Like, I feel like the conscious well, death and well, dying, like work yes. that you're doing, like all of it. And by the way, I've, Listen to your CD, and when you sing Ave Maria on that CD, I had to show James. Like last week, I was just like, "Oh my God, you have to hear this!" Like her voice, like that song is like it's such a hard song. You like listen to her, or like deal with this. So you have this like this beautiful gift as well with your voice, and it was like it was really touching to like experience that and to like feel God like through your singing. So thank you for sending those to me as well. Thank you. Thanks for listening. I, I'm sending them to you going, I don't know if this is all too Catholic for Ashley, but we, we listened all the way to Blaze Pizza and Back, girl. All the way. <laughs>
Well, this has been really fun for me. Thank you Thank so you. much, Terry. We appreciate you so much. And um, where can people find you? Yeah. If they want to oh, chat yeah. with Thank you, if you. they want to play with Thank you, you. If they Thank want to know you. more about the book. Yeah, they can go. They can find contact information for a lot of different things in um, terrybase.com, T-E-R-I-B-A-Y-S. And there, yeah, there it is all. Terry Bay's Aligning Light. Sedona experiences. Yeah. I'll put it in the show notes. And um, thank you, Terry. I, I, I want to talk to you again soon. We'll definitely bring you back on different topics, but have a good rest of your, your weekend out there in Sedona. She does have an Airbnb in Sedona, so it gets booked up quickly. But if you're going to Sedona, you can also. Um, They're going to be like, is this where she was with the priest? Possibly. <laughs> it was before I moved to Sedona. <laughs> Just run with it, Terry. Bye, Bye Terry. Terry. <laughs> Bye. I do want to share before we sign off that I decided to have a pop-up coaching experience next Wednesday because I was like very inspired by like, I feel like there's a lot of people that are coming out of the closet, a lot of people that are owning this like, they're, they're in our rebel, like they're in our inner Christ. And um, I didn't use those words before today, but it is totally that. But it's specifically for um, people that have a business that are really like at this portal of expansion that want to just like own more parts of themselves and come out of some kind of closet. And so it's only open between like two and seven on um, Wednesday, whatever this upcoming Wednesday is. You're not going to be able to catch it if you're listening to this on the replay, but we'll have our show notes <laughs> if you're listening live or listening in the coming days. I'm going to have Guadalupe. Guadalupe is on the shit. The spots are filling up, um, and I can give you more details about it if you have questions about it. They're 30-minute one-on-one coaching, and it's going to really, like, I just feel like, when I get to work with people like on like stepping into and like expanding a part of themselves and like showing that to the world and bringing that to the world and into their work, it's just a powerful energy. And so um, I just wanted to, to share that before we wrap up. I had the the experience with you years ago and I'm sure it's like way, way more fine tuned and it was fucking amazing. We were like walking through Barnes and Noble and I coached you for like 10 minutes. Yeah. And it was beautiful. It was like, although I feel like we coach each other. Just in life, as true. best friends, it's true. we're just always like, that's why our, our friendship is so like dynamic and triggering sometimes, because we just call <laughs> each other out, and we're just like, on your set. <laughs> so next Shine week, writer. we will be broadcasting <laughs> from, from Joshua, Joshua Tree. Tree. So yeah. if anyone has like any tips for Joshua Tree, we've never any, been there. Yeah, we're virgins. So we're gonna be there with our other best friend mm-hmm. Ashley. The, the other Ashley. Yeah. So if you have like ceremonies you think would be amazing in Joshua Tree, if anyone's uh, familiar with CE five, yeah, if any you know. CE five, any ways to summon otherworldly beings, any any spells that you've done, you know. Yeah, or any like hikes, anyone any. Anything that's local, we're totally virgin. So drop it either here in the notes or in the Rebels and Misfits Facebook group where you can always find us and join in the conversation. We don't exactly know what we're going to talk about. I know that we've had some interesting chats about like energy exchanges through sexual encounters that we were having a hot debate about. I was thinking we'd have spiritual debates. We'd have spiritual debates back and forth and let people jump in and weigh in with their opinion yeah. and the energy exchange being. Yeah. we. One of the debates is 
energy exchanges through sexual encounters mm-hmm. and we had some differing opinions mm-hmm. at dinner. Yeah. I had the right <laughs> one, you had the wrong one. And so <laughs> we definitely like I think or if there's anything that you feel like is a debate like that, mm-hmm. I don't know. It'll be fun. It'll it's be, gonna be awesome. it'll be wacky as usual. But bye Thank everybody. You guys. <laughs>